Blog Talk Radio. Icon, Granny Hawker, and Big Swing. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, back again here on a Monday night, and it feels like it was just yesterday that we were on the air. Uh, these these weeks are going by so quick in this summer, uh, but uh, you know, a, a lot of big things going on, both in our world, in the wrestling world and developments with sports and, and things like that. So uh, we are we are uh, chugging along. We're doing our thing. We're the number one show on the internet for a reason. And Icon, we got a big show tonight and a big show next week as well that I know everybody is excited about. So uh, I'll let you go on and kind of tell us what we got going on tonight. I got to step aside for one minute here on the mic, but uh, I'll let you guys go over what we got going on tonight and uh, a little bit about uh, – Well, uh, we have uh, our first guest who has confirmed he'll be calling us in about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, We're going to have Ari Paul, the entertainer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, You know, we all like to have uh, featured entertainers on our show. And, of course, tonight is uh, no exception. And uh, we're going to be talking to him. We only have two guests tonight, so... uh, uh, as for now, we only have one right now because the other hasn't confirmed. And uh, the other is supposed to be uh, the great San Diego Charger, Hank Bauer, ladies and gentlemen, uh, number 37. Great. Well, does that mean we have more San time Diego in between to sort of to sort of go over stuff, or, or the interview is going to be a little longer tonight? Well, uh, well, here's the thing, though. If uh, our, our first guest is slated for an hour, so... Uh, if our second guest uh, uh, does not uh, show up or whatever, then we'll have the last, uh, I don't know, last 45 minutes or so to uh, to chat about whatever. But, 
Nice. Before we go, before we go, before we do go tonight, though, the last ten minutes of the show, though, I do need to get everybody geared up for next week because next week is going to be a big event. So, sure, sure. Yeah, and you were telling us about that. Uh, it's it, it's going to be um, one of those once a year type of big, you know, uh, uh, slamboree type events. It's going to be good. Yeah. And it's it's actually going to be bigger than uh, WrestleMania because our ratings are big. Well, it won't be as big as WrestleMania, pretty close to it. But I guarantee you our ratings will be bigger than uh, Raw has had all, all year long. So that's basically it. Because <laughs> uh, Monday Night Raw, as we know, their ratings have not exactly been stellar lately. So No, no. Monday Night Raw hasn't been – I mean, they haven't had stellar ratings in in years. Yeah. Uh, I'm not uh, putting it so over money. I think we've actually had better intent than WWE has. At least for gaining. Hello? So, Granny, is he, break, is he breaking up on... Is he breaking up yeah, on you as is. well? Yeah, he is. He's you got to pay the phone bill, man. I've been telling you that. Well, got to get Verizon or something. No, I will never go back. Oh, Dominic and Ray have got the kendo sticks and taken the kendo sticks out on Seth Rollins. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 Now they're going after Murphy. <laughs> and then uh, also one of these uh, one of these fine shows. Uh, uh, hopefully before the end of the year, I just gotta I just gotta plan it. Uh, what we'll do is the first hour of the show, uh, the three of us will uh, watch Monday Night Raw together and kind of like do like audio commentary, kind of um, kind of like a watch along, kind of like what. Well, Eric Bischoff does, and Bruce Pritchard does, and sometimes Jr. does. They're called watch-alongs. What they do is they uh, they pick a WWE event, and they watch it together, and they talk about what's going on. The only thing is they always do old stuff. They never do new stuff. And we're actually going to break the mold and actually do that. Well, new and stuff, a, there's no point in watching along the new stuff. I mean – I don't know if they want to do a whole event where they just sit there and trash the product the whole time, especially with with uh, with Jr. Where he's you know he's used to the the attitude era and he's used to you know he's used to uh, you, you know the biggest craziest time period in all of wrestling and now you know now all of a sudden he's he's got this this PG nonsense going on. I I I would prefer him to go back and watch some old stuff. To be honest with you. Hey, and real quick here, guys, I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, one of our new listeners, uh, Liam Michael Reckle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we had uh, his mom on uh, the show with us a couple weeks ago, Donna Marie Recco, uh, great movie star, uh, now uh, uh, now uh, uh, taking time off of Hollywood to uh, become a first responder uh, to help out during the COVID and uh, her son is now uh, a listener to our show every week. 
So we want to send we want to send out a um, a shout out to Liam Michael Reco, ladies and gentlemen. For, Hi, Liam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hello. Uh, for, for welcome aboard. We're glad that you're here with us. You know. And thanks. Yes, for, uh, yes. And, and if you do want to call in at all, well, Liam, if you do want to call in at all, I know we uh, we don't advertise the number as much uh, anymore because we always have guests on, so it's really difficult to have callers to come on and, and chat with us because we're always in the middle of an interview and obviously the, the guests, you know, take precedent in that because we're, we're booking them uh, specifically. But, uh, you know, tonight, like I kind of said, we do have a little bit of time here and there for things. So if you do want to call in and chat, it's 713-955-0359. Again, 713-955-0359. Uh, Icon, um, is the first guest we have with us is the area code I should be looking for, 610. Uh, yes, I do believe that is where he is calling from today, yes. Well, if that is the case, then he is on. So would you like me to put him through and you can do your thing? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let's make sure we don't have anything else to go over real quick before we uh, before we do anything. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to uh, mention I'm before good. we? Uh... All right. Well, I, I, gonna, I think we're, we're ready just to get into gonna... it, man. All right. Well, if you want to put them on, I'll go ahead and uh, introduce yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. We'll chat with them. All right. Yeah, they're on. Go, ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. With microphone in hand, ready to entertain our audience, he is a man known by no other than the entertainer that he is. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the greatest comedian running the circuit today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Ari Paul, the entertainer. Hey, this is uh, Ari Paul here. Listen to Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holster. What's going on? Hey, how's it feel to be in the air? What'd you say? I said, how's it feel to be in the air? (laughs) It feels nice. I'm floating around. I'm in the air. I'm on 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 the tubes here chilling. What's going on, fellas? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, Here's what we're going to do. We have – well, uh, we have a special night here with you tonight. Uh, we have uh, – uh, uh, I only have two guests on tonight because I wanted to uh, talk to you for uh, a longer period of time, and I uh, – our second guest uh, uh, for a longer period of time. So uh, so we have you on for uh, around 50 minutes, give or take, uh, depending on if you can handle us for that long. Most people can only handle me in small doses. Just ask my family. But uh, So far, so good. So far, quick. so good. What we're going to do here real quick is we're going to have you give us a little background about yourself, then I'll ask you a question, and we'll do a roundtable, and we'll come back, and then I'll ask you the uh, tougher comedic questions. Sounds good, man. Go ahead. Give us a little background. Yeah, no. So, uh, Eric Paul, professional entertainer here. I've been doing uh, Magic Mind Reading and Comedy full-time for five years here in Pennsylvania. I travel around. I was supposed to actually be in uh, Dallas, Texas for a show last week, but – uh this virus stuff's been nuts, man. So like no flying, no traveling, none of that stuff. So I'm doing a bunch of virtual shows now online, which is a whole nother ball game, but I've been performing full time for five years now and, uh, you know, paying my dues and uh, doing a lot of corporate stuff now. And, um, talking to you guys right this second. (laughs) So, uh, besides being on the show, what has been the second biggest highlight of your career so far? 
<laughs> I did a gig at the Radio City Music Hall, actually, in New York City. Did a trade show there. That was cool. I performed for some celebrities. I was doing a show. I don't know. You, you know, uh, the Big Bang Theory with Jim Parsons. Um, I was doing a show, and I show up, and me and the uh, photographer are just chilling out. And uh, here comes Jim Parsons, uh, Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory, coming into the gig. He had been invited to this party. He's from California. And um, that was pretty cool. Performed for the Philadelphia Phillies Baseball Club. Been on a bunch of different TV shows. It's been pretty fun. Been uh, some stuff on NBC, ABC, Fox. So just making my rounds. But um, good to be on your show tonight. <clears throat> you know, that's pretty cool. You know, you mentioned Radio City Music Hall. You know, uh, our uh, our cohort there, uh, Big Swing, he's from uh, New York, actually. And uh, okay. he's... Uh, and uh, he's always wanted to go sweep up the place. Oh, have I? <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, man, well, I hear they're well, making well, like $8 an hour, man. Come on. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not bad right now. Well, you know, Big Spring, I'll let you take some jabs at me a little later, uh, like you like you like to do. I, I just couldn't resist that. So, you know, you mentioned oh, it, that, it, it, It'll uh, happen. Don't worry. It'll happen. Yeah, so you mentioned that, uh, you know, no flying, um, you know, you know, you've been doing a lot of stuff online. Uh, with uh, with that being said, with uh, COVID, how many different uh, uh, gigs have uh, you lost or postponed or had to reschedule yeah, uh, since so, then? Yeah, man. So when everything came down, I was looking at my schedule. And I was going, you know what, I'll probably lose 10 days, 14 days worth of work. It'll be fine. Uh, this agent who had booked me for like four shows, that was the first um, <clears throat> domino to fall. She called me and said, hey, look, man, like every show I booked you for in this next month has been canceled. I was like, all right, you know, that's just, you know, th- th- those shows were coming up within about three to four weeks. Then I started getting some corporate stuff, corporate stuff canceled. Long story short, within a week, I probably had about $6,000 of the shows canceled. Um, and it, they were just falling fast, um, real fast, because nobody wanted to um, nobody wanted you to be there in person anymore because it wasn't safe, you know. But it, it was bad, man. I mean, I had agents calling me; they were losing. I, I talked to this one agent, lost sixty thousand dollars worth of work in in one day because uh, all of her uh, her performers couldn't do do the shows anymore. Um, it, it happened pretty fast, man. It's still happening. I just had a lady reach out to me about a show I'm supposed to do at a campground in September and she was so apologetic but she said just we just can't do it you know so um first mm-hmm. I was like, well oh, a lot of these places it depends on the state laws too though like so for example um certain states are allowing certain things or, or a little bit more lenient about certain things than others um like for example here in New York we just had a band uh, we, we, you know, one of our one of our bars is a pool hall, but it also has a big outdoor thing with all the new, you know, the whole deck out there with all the fire pits, and then they have these two big stages out there, and they actually just had a band uh, perform, but you know they were, you know, I would say, uh, probably twenty thirty yards away, and they were they were doing their thing, and everyone had to sit. And watch, and, and they didn't have to wear the mask if they were sitting at the table watching, but if they got up to go to the bathroom or got up to do whatever, they had to put the mask on. But the band was separated a little bit away. There was no dancing. You couldn't get up and dance or whatever if you liked the song. You just kind of had yeah. to sit there and, yeah. and watch it. So, I mean, I mean, I get it. Certain states are allowing things, but they're really strict about it. And then certain states or certain areas uh, even are 
are just like, no, we don't, we don't want to risk it and risk it getting shut down or risk making the news because we allowed something and people got sick or whatever it is. So, yeah, it, it's tough for anybody in the entertainment business right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm starting to get these in-person gigs are trickling in now, but but I just did one on last week. I did one on Thursday, and it was a uh, it was distance like like you were saying. It was the crowd was about 15 feet away. Uh, you can't have any real assistance, you know, for the show. No one can come up and be part of the show because then you're, you're not distancing. It's wild. It's crazy stuff. So, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're not only are you a, a, a comedian, you also do, uh, uh, you're also a magician as well. Can you kind of take us through how you decided to uh, put uh, those together? Because I know if I would do a magic trick, everybody would start laughing because they're like, oh, my God, Icon's doing magic. He'll make himself disappear. We hope so. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, but. Uh, so did you well, start me, out uh, as a comedian? And did you start out as a comedian and add the magic, or start out a magician and add the comedy? Kind of take us through a little bit about that. Yeah, well, let me let me take even a little further back. So I have a teaching degree, and I was a substitute teacher oh, nice. for years. I never had a like the furthest job. thing away from teaching. <laughs> All right, I nice. know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you can't really do much of a 180 more than teacher to entertainer, and you know, getting up at 6 a.m. to teach versus getting up at 10 a.m. to do marketing in my office. Um. Nah, but long story short, as a teacher, and um, I, I, I got into it, and the first thing I was into was magic. Now, people always ask me, like, who my favorite magician is, and it's no, no one you ever heard of because it's, like, underground guys. But I've always been into the comedy magic thing. So, But I, I started out doing magic, and um, I was doing restaurants and children's birthday parties. You know, little Jimmy was turning four, and they wanted a magician. You know, they pay you 150 bucks, and I thought that was, like, such a great deal for – Back Icon did that too, but it's balloon animals. But anyway, yep, continue. Yeah, nice, good stuff, man. Yeah, I used to do. I did some of that too, actually. I got sick of that crap so fast, but uh, um, yeah, <laughs> no, no. So here I am doing the kids, man. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, start. I would say I started with magic, but I always liked to kind of be funny with it. And then I started looking into um, comedy clubs, and I started getting booked at comedy clubs. But definitely, magic came first. But then once the comedy clubs started booking me, I was kind of putting together like a comedy magic act. And then the last thing I put in was when I stopped doing kid shows as much and got into more adult corporate entertainment, I got into what we call mentalism, which is like a, you know, kind of like mind reading stuff. Cause you know, the companies, a lot of people when they hear magic, it's got a stigma of like, kind of like you were saying, like, like, you know, it's got with the balloons or whatever it is. But when you start saying you're a mentalist, that's when you get the corporations going, Ooh, mentalist. That sounds fun for our, you know, our holiday party, you know? So um, comedy came second, but I was a kind of like a – I would say I was a funny magician, and then I became more of a comedy magician. And then so I when, you say a comedy mentalist, when you say mentalist, I, I assume you're not talking about like you know the sleight of hand and, and, and a lot of that stuff yeah, you see like street, like, like street magic. I, I'm thinking when you yeah. say mentalist, I'm thinking Chris Angel or David Blaine, guys like that. Yeah, you know, David Blaine that- doesn't do too much mentalism actually, but uh, like for instance, oh. on my corporate show – I'll have someone. No, I know what you're talking about, though. It's yeah. more of a adult, a more of a angel side, like, like a something where you got to think about. And go, oh, the hell did he just? Yeah, that thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. For instance, you know, someone okay. thinks of a number and a date or a birthday, and then I kind of reveal what they were thinking type thing, and that, that plays mm. a little better for the big corporate crowds than, than you know pulling a rabbit out of a hat kind of thing. Now, now, are you are you allowed to tell us your trade secrets? I mean, how are you? How are you able to do that with any sort of accuracy? I mean, does it is there a tip well, to I'd, it, or are you psychic? <laughs> well, I'd be more than happy to tell you like how the tricks work. Except then a guy named Tony's going to show up at your door in about ten minutes. 
Oh, and, okay. Um, All right. You know how that ends. Ah, yes. No, no, no. Ari Paul's... Yeah, go ahead. Ari, Ari Paul's our guest here. We got about we got forty one minutes here with Ari, and uh, uh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but uh, I, I I guess what uh, he the the question I a question along that line, like he was asking, is like, do you have like uh, people like uh, do like little uh, like little fill out like little cards before they go, and then like uh, you know like you'll. Plus, they'll have their name and they're like, say this happened on this date, then you like, uh, kind of like, like you're reading their mind, kind of like, um, kind of like a Peter Popoff type deal, or is it, or is it? Uh, yeah, you got it. You, you got it. No, man, you you got okay. it. It's like, nice. Sometimes it's not even written down. Um, uh, the, the, the you know the secret of the trade is something I can't really get into, but uh, there's a lot of different methods of doing it. I'll tell you a funny one. I was doing a show and uh, this this is. <laughs> I was doing a show, and this woman who's very uh, spiritual, and she believes in all that kind of mind reading and psychics and stuff. Anyway, her friends came up to me and told her, told me a bunch of personal stuff about her life that there's no way I could have known. And then I went up to her and pretended like, you know, I was, like, doing this reading on her, and I freaked her out. She was slapping me around. She was saying, how do you know that? How do you know that? But, um, yeah, maybe one of these days we can do, like, a Zoom call or something. I can show you a little bit of what uh, what I'm talking about. Well, you know, we uh, we would definitely like to do that, and uh, you know, we had uh, we had a comedian on our show here uh, two months ago now, uh, Brian Swinehart. I don't know if you heard him or not, but uh, no, no, he uh, he uh, he uh, he uh, had the same situation like you. Uh, had a lot of gigs uh, canceled and postponed and whatever, and uh, uh, he's. He's got his uh, calendar blank until I believe it's January now or something like that, and uh, but now he's starting to fill in. But uh, he he, uh, he he's such a great guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you're you're an awesome guy too, and uh, we we love you and everything. But uh, because uh, he had no idea when his next gig is going to be, uh, he he agreed to come. Uh, perform at my wedding. For, uh, all I got to do is get him a hot dog and uh, get him a hotel. So I thought that was pretty cool. You know, maybe we can have you like do a virtual thing for us. Like, uh, you know, um, I'm sure my fiance would like you to hypnotize me and I'll always like do the dishes every Wednesday or something like that. <laughs> That's funny. I, I, I'm sure she'd like that. Uh, is he, are you still with us? Did we lose him? It says his number still on. You see there? Are you there? Sorry about that. My phone went on mute. Oh, okay. Oh, there oh, he okay. is. Uh, so anyway, well, uh, I, I was I listening. Know. I was cra- <laughs> I was cracking up with you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll uh, she'll make get you to do the dishes, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, Ari Paul is our guest here. Uh, we have uh, we have 38 minutes here with Ari. Uh, uh, Ari, I want to introduce you to our other uh, our other friend here, uh, Granny Hulkster. Uh, she uh, she's kind of a cut up in her own mind, especially when she slings her cane. But uh, uh, <laughs> I kind of don't, don't, don't lie to him. Don't lie to him. What do you got for our guest, Ari Paul? Go ahead. Well, first of all, I love magic. First of all, it's I, a I walker icon, is... not a cane. It's the walker with the little with the little tennis balls at the bottom. There's four of them. No, I don't even have that big swing. You, you lying too. Like, 
forgive <laughs> forgive my co-host there. I mean, they're both they're both like spreading that fertilizer, but no, I love magic. I tell you, I I love to watch it and Gosh, I've just been sitting here enjoying the conversation, listening to your stories about, you know, what you do and everything. I just, I think that's amazing. What is your Thank most you. favorite, um, when you're doing your magic or whatever, what is your most favorite thing to do when you're, you know, whether it's magic or comedy, what's your fa- most favorite thing to do in a show that you're doing? Well, I mean, I tell people all the time that every show I do is going to be different because I kind of inter- I'm interactive and I go off the cuff. Um, so my favorite thing is just kind of you know jazz with the audience and go back and forth and be a little like spontaneous. Um, but I would say my favorite thing to do is I usually have a gentleman come up with a bill, hopefully a hundred dollar bill, and we go through some comedy stuff. And eventually, his hundred dollar bill that he signs in the very beginning ends up inside of a sealed lemon. And, uh, I mean, it just gets the best reactions of anything I do, and it's a super wow. fun routine. But wow. um, I just love That's interacting awesome. with the crowd. That's my favorite part. It's just the banter. Well, I tell you, I, different. I, I, I live in Arkansas, and I, I remember when I lived over by a little town called Eureka Springs, um, Arkansas, a little tourist town. They used to have a magic show there, and the guys, and they would throw in comedy in their routine, too, and they'd always be talking along, and and then they'd always say, but wait, there's more, and, and it was always so funny to listen to them, you know, interact with the crowd, and I mean, I I had gotten picked out of the crowd several different times during their shows to, um, you know, get uh, do a trick with them or, or whatever, you know. So it, it was a lot of fun. So. But I no, love absolutely. to watch magic. I, I, there was a magician over in uh, Branson by the name of Kirby Van Birch, and he did a lot of uh, – things uh, with White Tigers in his act, too, and I remember my son, we went over to see one of his shows, and we went to his gift shop before um, the show, and my son had broken his wrist at school playing basketball one day with one of his friends, and he got to do a trick with Kirby Van Birch in his gift shop, you know, before the show that day. That was pretty awesome for my son, so... yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's something uh, about it. everyone comes up to me after a show and says things. You know, I remember I helped a magician or, that, you know, that you, you know when I helped you in your show today, that was, like, the most fun I've had in so long. So it is fun to be able to give people that joy, you know. Um, Ari Paul's our guest here. We have uh, 34 minutes here with Ari. And, uh, you know, uh, the cool thing is, you know, Ari, I, had, uh, I put out a comedy CD once and it went aluminum, um, you know. Yeah, whoever was well, in here know, before moved all my buttons around, so it took me a minute to find the button. Uh well, you know the other uh well big swing um well uh Ari, we'll uh, we'll bring Big Swing on and uh we'll let him ask a few questions and uh I, I got uh, I got the hard hitters. So uh go ahead, Big Swing, what do you got for our guest? Ari Paul, go ahead. Well who um who were some of your your I guess inspirations? I mean from the comedy standpoint, from the magic standpoint, I mean who were some people you looked up to that made you want to get into this? 
Well, there's a guy named Amazing the Amazing Jonathan, and he's like kind of like. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard yeah, of him. Yeah, he's but, been uh, on with. He, he's been on with us. It has he? Oh my goodness, he's like he's like my hero. He's so funny. The guy cracks me up. Um, everyone else you probably never heard of. I'm not a big fan of uh, Chris Angel really because I'm not into the whole shock magic. You know, like you swallow a quarter, cut open your arm, and it pops out type thing. I like comedy. But Amazing Jonathan is great. I mean, I actually have a um, I film a TV show in New Jersey where I interview entertainers, and I actually reached out to Jonathan, but um, his wife Anastasia said he's not doing any interviews right now. Um, but I like I like Jonathan. Um, this guy named Greg Wilson, I'm a fan of comedy magician. Uh, a lot of people you've probably never heard of. There's a guy named I don't know if you've ever heard of Mac King in uh, Las Vegas. Yep. Super yep, funny. Yeah, yep. Yeah. You had I, Mac I on before. Mac he's awesome as well. Yeah. They say he's probably the best show to go to in Vegas, and he's probably like a quarter of the price of Angel Copperfield, you know. What's your um, opinion on Penn and Teller? Yeah, no, I think they're funny. I think they're funny. I will say that I did go see them in Vegas, and man, I mean, they do that show, you know, it, when they're on, they're doing their show two nights a week, six, two, two nights uh, every night, and six nights a week, and it's, um, you, I could tell, man, I could tell that they were just going through the motions and kind of just like, mm. they had their script, and they were just going to talk and do their thing and get out of there, but no, I like yeah, that yeah. a lot, definitely, definitely. Mm. The, I used to watch that show, actually, there was a... Uh... Penn and Teller's fool me, and I used to be uh, pretty, pretty amazed by some of the some of the acts I saw on there. And you know, it's funny because a lot of the acts that had comedy intertwined, where it made them laugh, uh, were a lot of the acts that that were the most successful on the show. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's always good to have a little comedy because I think, honestly, people have have such short attention spans nowadays with things. Yeah. So if yeah. you're just kind of yeah. monotone or, hey, you want to see a trick? No, not really. Leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? But if, exactly. but if you have comedy and how you approach them, you know, and, and you, they give that they get that vibe from you, chances are they're going to watch a lot longer. Uh, it's so true, man. And honestly, you know, it's not about what you're doing. It's not about the actual effects you're doing. It's about who you are and your personality. That's what you got to like. You know, any I always tell people, you know, I, I wrote a book on how to get gigs and stuff like that, but you know, I always tell people it's not about the tricks you're doing. It's about you. I mean, people are coming to see you. You can sit in your room all day and you can learn magic tricks and be good, but you don't really get your chops until you're really out there doing it for real people, you know? And things start happening, you know? You got a heckler, your your sound system starts not working, that's when you really get your chops, you know? That's when you get good mm-hmm. at it, when you're actually doing it. Um, Ari yeah. Paul's our guest here. We have uh, 30 minutes here uh, with Ari. You know, uh, I'm going to kind of touch on that a little bit, but uh, now people think that I'm only saying this because, you know, you're on with us, but I want to say this. The top three acts uh, going today for when it comes to comedy and uh, magic and stuff, the top three, in my opinion, right now, and, and this is no particular order, so I'm not going to rank them one to three, but the top three would be Penn and Teller, Ari Paul, and Piff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, so yeah, hit Pip Pip cracks. He goes, he goes. My name's Pip the Magic Dragon. You might know my brother, Steve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's funny. Well, you know, you mentioned. Uh, I, I, I'm going to ask you a few hard hitting questions now, uh, and I'll understand if you don't want to answer them. But uh, you boxers are briefs. Uh, one, we, no, no, no. Wanted to well later. Uh, but wanted to be a broadcaster, you know, I, I want to kind of uh, uh, hitting uh, ask the hard hitters. But 
Uh, you know, you mentioned hecklers. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a comedian, I'm sure you've uh, dealt with a few. I mean, uh, when I was on the stage, that's all I used to have was hecklers. Uh, but how, tell us uh, how you handle a heckler and, uh, like, the worst kind of heckler you had and uh, what, uh, how you handle it. Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple comedy clubs for sure. I was actually performing at a wedding once, and they had hired me to do, like, walk-around close-up magic during cocktail hour and then, like, a little 30-minute show once everyone had sat down. And um, I was up doing my show, and the, the brother of the um, the groom was like, you know, why are you having a magician? Like, it's like everyone was watching, and he was just going, what, what do you need a magician for? This is so stupid. But, uh, I just kind of played it off. I was like, oh, you probably shouldn't serve the drinks until after the show. Ha, ha, ha. But um, no, it happens, man. Like at the comedy clubs, you get people drunk and they get this idea that they're part of the show. Um, you got to shut them down, you know. If you just keep letting them talk, it's just gonna ruin everything. Uh, I, I mean, when I get a heckler, I just try to shut them down. Typically, you want to turn everyone else against them, you know. Like if, if they start gaining steam and getting people on board with it, you're screwed big time. So you just gotta like shut them down real fast. Yeah, I can imagine it going uh, going south pretty quick in that in that case. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be careful, too, because if you call it out and try to be funny, but it doesn't hit, now it's all awkward, you know, and now they can get you. So, well, you got to be, you kind of got to be witty and quick on your feet, too, a little bit. You do, you do. That, that's all, And that's all part of the chops thing we were talking about. Like, those are the things that's not going to happen when you're practicing in your room, your, your comedy act, or your magic show. That's the things you can't, you can't really prepare for, and that's what gets you good, though, at, at those situations, you know, all that crazy stuff happening. But, so I mean, I've seen the hecklers pretty hardcore, man. So do you ever have to have it, like, set up, like, if uh, if if a guy is heckling you, like, before the show is, like, they'll talk, like, the head of security or the phone or something, you'll say, just get him out of there. Or do you, do you like, uh, well, I've seen you know, that if a it couple... happens, go ahead. No, I mean, I've seen a couple times where um, I've seen the people get thrown out. Now, it was when I was, like, performing, but I wasn't on stage. I was watching it. Um, I've seen comedy owners like stop the show and be like, you know, if, if you guys don't stop talking, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, ask you to leave the, the room because you're ruining it for everybody else. Um, yeah, man, I've seen a lot of. I saw this woman have a funny stories. I saw this woman have a stroke right before I went on stage at a comedy club, and the paramedics came in right before I went on stage. I really wanted to say, man, that, that last comic you killed, didn't he? But uh, I don't think that would have gone over too well. But um, oh my gosh. Crazy things can happen. A lot of times, too, at like a private event, not a comedy club, but a private event, you'll have like a, you know, some uncle or someone gets all wasted and starts being a jerk, you know. Uh, Ari Paul's our guest here. We got 20, uh, 26 minutes here with Ari. It's like, well, you know, it's like, you know, you mentioned that the gal that had a stroke. It's like, how how do you follow that? It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you make jokes about it, you know, people are like, well, geez, she really had a stroke. That's not funny. Or it's like, I know. Well, it's a fine line. Everybody's it's a worried fine about line. the gal, you know. Mm-hmm. No, now, Scott, man, that's, a, that's, never, the, that's the fine line. Now, you've never been on a, at a show, like, when anybody's ever, like, wanted to, or no one's ever, like, thrown anything at you or, uh, or uh, you know, like, really, like, wanted to meet you after the show, uh, like, out in the parking lot. That's never happened to you, has it? Honestly, no. That's never happened to me, but I've heard stories, man. I heard, I've heard stories of people literally 
getting into a back and forth, a comedian and, and a heckler, and the heckler comes up on stage, and, you know, real bad things that happen. Yeah, I've heard I've heard comedians tell me that, that they've had guys waiting outside, you know, like who's the funny guy now type thing, you know. <laughs> oh wow. But, uh, crazy things what? happen. Yeah, especially when there's drinking involved. So, and that's what you do at a comedy what? club. That's the point. You drink and laugh. Well, you know, one of the worst examples I ever had was uh, a comedian. Uh, uh, we used to have a comedy club here in uh, uh, in my hometown, and unfortunately, we don't anymore. But uh, one of the comedians uh, was getting uh, heckled, and uh, he asked the guy, uh, you know, uh, the, the security and the club owner asked the guy to leave. And uh, apparently, what the, the guy the the guy that was heckling that was asked to leave. Uh, you know, you generally if you're a comedian and you have to drive somewhere, generally uh, they can tell what vehicle is yours because of the out-of-state license plate. He said, yeah, yeah. The guy went and urinated all over my car. He urinated oh. on my windshield. And, uh, wow. Yeah. The, he put some crazy stuff. And, yeah, and he he told he told the uh, he told the club owner and said, "Hey, someone urinated on my car." He said, "Oh, that was Bruce. Yeah, he does that to all the comedians he doesn't like." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Now uh, you now funny you stuff. you've never had anything that severe happen to you, right? I never had anyone pee on my car. No, no. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I have met those where. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say I, I've done shows where like I'm leaving the comedy club and some of the rowdy crowds out front smoking cigarettes and sipping their beer and you know to give you looks you know like they're you know could get ugly. <laughs> so you just do the old have a good night you know. You know you mentioned. Uh, uh, I want to kind of circle back here a little bit. You know, you mentioned you do the, the trick when someone bring a guy will bring up a hundred dollar bill and then it'll end up in a lemon or something. Uh, mm-hmm. I got something that you could I got something that you could add to that uh, trick. Oh sure. boy! All right, here's what you can do: have uh, have a guy come up with uh, maybe two fifty dollar bills, right? And then before mm-hmm. you do the trick, you say, "Okay, now which one of these did you give me?" He said, "Well, both of them." I said, "Well, thanks. Go have a seat." Right, 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 right. No, I like that's a good bit. That's a real good bit. Yeah. Amazing Jonathan does that. Yeah, right, right. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the two fifties, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, I mean, trust me, when I was doing comedy, my shows are so bad, that's the only way I would get paid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm not well, surprised. You know, man, yeah, and that's a whole nother one, man. I, I when I started doing comedy clubs you know, you get paid more to do like a, a a small little thirty forty minute like birthday show than some of these headline comedians who are funny as hell get paid to headline for two nights Friday and a Saturday. It's crazy, man. That's the first thing I noticed. There's such talented comedians and they don't get paid squat. Comedy's really hard, I think, to make a full time living at. You know, because well, so would magic other, though, right? Other than comedy I mean, so clubs for example, and, you know, movie stars. No, it is. It is. It is tough. Yeah. It's just. I, yeah. I mean, I, I would think that honestly, I would think that magic would be a little bit tougher uh, than comedy, just because I mean, you, you look at a lot of these mainstream stand-up uh, comedians. I mean, my, one of my favorite ever is George Carlin, but I mean, you look at all the guys: yeah, Bill Burr, Louis C.K. Look at all these guys. 
Tedesco, Chris Rock. People know these guys. Oh, stand-up comedy, that's great. But magicians, yeah, you know, you don't see as much of them, you know, as much. So I would imagine it would be a little tougher. But if you can implement both and have magic in your comedy act or comedy in your magic act, I think that that would that would uh, kind of be the best of both worlds. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, it it definitely helps. You know, it definitely helps. Um. Yeah, I will say that, man, there's a lot of people that you never heard their name, you don't know who they are, yada, 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 but they're doing pretty well, you know, like, it's, um, that's one thing that I wrote in my little book about getting gigs and about, you know, performances and how to make money, whatever, it's like, just because you never heard of someone, some of the magicians, comedians you've heard of are probably, like, you know, struggling to to pay rent, and then other guys you never heard of are, are, are doing pretty well, you know, so it's, um, yeah, yep, yep, yeah. But but you're right though. It it is hard cuz you know, what what do you you know, like what are you supposed to what are you supposed to do? You you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. It's, it's not like you get paid every 2 weeks like a normal type job. So it it's always a constant hustle and that does get that can be tiresome at times, you know? It's just like you know, you got to fill it in yourself. But then there's also the reward of, you know, making your own schedule and all that stuff. So kind of balance uh, it out. Ari Pauls our guest here. We have well, we're roughly 20 minutes here with Ari. Uh, so now when you uh, used to do, uh, you know, your c- comedy shows and everything, now was that strictly what you did? Was only generally worked uh, just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday generally? Or uh, did you well, like, uh, Yeah, no, that, no, that's a great how, how did that work? Yeah, well, that's a great, that's a great question. I mean, when I started out, most of the stuff I was doing would be, you know, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I started getting in what we call restaurant magic, and there's these restaurants, usually chains, you know, Outback, TGI Fridays. They'll hire you to come out on a Tuesday night from 6 to 8 and bop around table to table, and they pay you. It doesn't pay great, but it's a weekly gig. But once I started getting into corporate gigs and uh, gigs like that, it turned in instead of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday gigs, now I'm, like, you know, performing at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday in New York somewhere, to, you know, at a, at a, at a uh, corporate center, you know, driving up to North Jersey on a Wednesday at 11 a.m. to do a luncheon, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, in the beginning, it was like, you know, you're performing when people are having parties, you know, like lay people are having parties. And then once you start doing corporate gigs and things of that nature, the, the schedule changes a lot. So, I mean, and it's nice, though, because I'd rather work, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during the day and then have the weekend off, you know, to, to chill with my wife or just do fun stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because you know a lot of guys start with doing the children's birthday shows. That's all. The do you get start. a lot of um? Do you get a lot of um? Uh, hecklers or do you do you get a lot of people who are ruder to you at the corporate stuff or at like the smaller bar shows? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's it's actually funny because some of the more challenging ones. When I used to do a lot of children's shows, you get these freaking kids. You know, like um, I know how he's doing it. I know what he's doing. I have this trick at home. And da 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 shut the hell up, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but corporate, eh, you can see the guy or woman at corporate who's looking at you like you're a piece of crap, like, I don't need this entertainment. This is stupid. What am I doing? You know, 95% of the people are, are, are enjoying it. But uh, sometimes a heckler doesn't even have to say anything. It's just the way they're looking at you, you know? They're just looking at you like, you know. Mm. Just looking at you like, what is this clown doing? Yeah. Oh boy. Well, you now, can always if tell. Someone, if someone is if someone is heckling you, uh, you know, 
you know, most people don't know that when I say that I used to do comedy stuff, I it, it's true I did, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, I used to take it personally when I used to get heckled. I mean, is there, uh, um, you know, let, let me ask you this. Uh, if if uh, someone is uh, listening to the show and they, they, they decide they want to go out into comedy and, uh, you know, they want to do this and, uh, you know, make a living out of it, uh, what advice would you give them, like, about, you know, getting started and, uh you know, I, I know we don't have a whole two hours, but, uh, you know, um, what would you say to, uh, say to like, a community that's dealing with a heckler? How, what advice would you give them? Don't, don't do it. Go to school. No, I'm just kidding. Um, nah. buy, my, buy my e-book. Buy my e-book. <laughs> no, no, honestly. Um, so, basically, the, the thing that people don't realize, I think, enough is – the most effective thing you can do is use the connections you already have. You can do cold calling. You can do cold emailing. You can read books. Do all that crap. That, that's all great, and that's all gravy. But your network is your net worth. So, you know, who do you know? You may know someone who's a teacher at an elementary school. Okay, hey, can I get the principal's email address? I want to be a magician, and I like to do a show there. Or um, like you said, even for comedy, maybe you know a waitress who works at a restaurant that has a comedy club. Hey, do you know the owner of that comedy club where you work? Use your connections. Um, you know, there, you can say you're good till you're blue in the face at comedy magic. You can, you're, I'm talented, whatever you want to say. But if someone else says it, it just means that much more because, of course, you're going to say you're good. Um, uh, so honestly, you know, I, I, in my book, I talk about write down 15 people, you know, that you're close to and what they do for work. And then all of a sudden there's 15 leads right there. You know, how can, who, who can this person introduce you to, um, you know, uh, Google things like, you know, comedy clubs near me and just reach out. Hey, I'm new. I want to do comedy. Uh, can I get five, 10 minutes on stage? The comedy clubs, the owners, they're always looking for like a crap act, you know, like a, like they don't give a crap if it sucks act to start the show. Mm. Um, and you work up from there, but just use your network, your network. Who do you know? Who can you, who can help you? Who do you trust? Who, 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 who can um, put in a good word for you? It, it's, it's not as hard as it sounds. I have a whole uh, mapped out plan in this book that I wrote with my friend, but um, yeah, you know, just just use your use your circle to your advantage. Simple. So, uh, well, so we can do this here. Um, if uh, our fans want, if you, if our fans wanted to get that book, uh, mm-hmm. tell us how they can uh, acquire it. Well, I'll just give my website, and uh, there's contact info on there. I do the virtual team building, and I actually do a new virtual thing for companies now where I do the mentalist show on Zoom, and then I also teach a 45-minute class of magic and mentalist tricks that they learn right away. So I've been booking those for companies. But, yeah, I mean, my website is just the letter A is in Aerie, and then my last name, Paul, P-A-U-L, and then the word magic. So it's just apaulmagic.com. And, yeah, if you're interested in a little literature on how to get gigs, if you want to break into something new, entertainment, or you think it'd be fun to have a virtual show or whatever, there, there's um, my contact info is on apaulmagic.com. And uh, the other thing I was going to ask, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, we have a, you know, we have a, you know, a big uh, December show, uh, giveaway show coming up for all our fans that we like to uh, – Entice people to keep listening all year long instead of just like once or twice a week. But uh, might you be willing to uh, s- uh, send us some autographs for some giveaways if I were to send you an autograph, uh, uh, an address? Of course, that'd be awesome. 
Now, uh, speaking of that, we have uh, uh, we have Ari Paul as our guest, and man, you you just been awesome. I, I just can't uh, uh, thank you enough for uh, for joining us. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, with all you know, we talked we kind of touched on COVID a little bit, but uh, with all the uh, with all this stuff going on, you know, you mentioned how many uh, gigs and stuff you lost. Uh, when is uh, your next uh, live event, or do you not have one set yet? Yeah, I mean, I've been, I would say I've done about 30 virtual shows in the past three months. But my next live show is going to be the 28th of this month. Um, so I will be distanced and outside doing a show on the 28th. I did a live show last Thursday outside as well. So most things are virtual at this point. But, yeah, I'll be doing a show on the 28th. But I'll be far away from the crowd and outdoors. So, now, when you're when you're doing things uh, virtually, is it like uh, – is, is, is it uh, kind of awkward because, you know, when you're, like, entertaining them virtually and they're, like, seeing you on the screen – and you can't hear the reaction. Is that awkward, or uh, do you have like, uh, do you have like, uh, can you like hear their reaction as you're doing your uh, show? Oh man, <laughs> that that was the hardest part. I mean, ninety percent of performing for a live audience is kind of jazzing with the crowd and, and feeding off of what they're what they're feeling. So I mean, the first six or seven to ten virtual shows I did, I was just like, oh man, this is so freaking weird. One little one little hack that I did realize is on a Zoom call you can have people what you call on mute, and that way you can't hear them. So if I'm doing my my interactive stuff and I can't hear laughing or applause, it kind of throws off the whole thing. So now I ask about three to four people to stay off of mute so I can at least hear some kind of reaction. But the whole thing was really strange. The transition is really weird. It's like uh, you know you're you're just in your office there talking to yourself basically, hoping that people are, are digging you. So it's like a whole it's a, it's a whole other animal. But um, you know, it's what it's what you got to do at this point with everything going down. So, do you uh, now have you uh, got uh, like uh, future bookings already set, or uh, are you, are you kind of having to wait until uh, the pandemic uh, slows down, or what, before you start like booking yourself out, or are you uh, just like taking bookings now and hoping that you can still get out and do them? Yeah, I mean, 95 to 98% of all my bookings that I've been doing over the last three months are virtual. Um, there was a lady with a theater in North Carolina who was looking for something, and then maybe once you know this whole thing shuts, slows down, that'll be all right. I'll probably be flying to Dallas next year to do that show in April. Um, I'm just pushing the virtual, man. I kind of, I'm kind of starting to like it because uh, you know I could perform for someone in New York at 10 a.m. on Monday morning. And then I perform for someone in Los Angeles at 11.30 a.m. Monday morning. So, I mean, my net for marketing is definitely wider. Now, I don't feel comfortable charging the same amount because I don't have to travel and all that stuff. But um, it is kind of fun. Um, you know, I do some cold calling here and there. We need to do more um, emailing. But just reaching out to these corporate clients and their book. You know, companies are all looking for fun things right now. They want something fun. So my, my thing is I want to be that solution. So when I call email or call a company and I say, hey, you guys looking for fun virtual entertainment or team building where, you know, I can get everybody on your team having fun and energized, learning magic and mentalism and watching my show. And a lot of times they go, that's a great idea. So right now, I know it's the word everyone's using is kind of cliche, but, you know, pivoting the business, just, just changing, th- tweaking things a little bit to appeal to companies in a different way. 
And um, that, that's just what that's the nature of the beast right now. It's a whole other ball game. Uh, Ari Paul is our guest here. Uh, we got nine minutes with Ari. So, you know, with uh, with that all being said, and uh, you know, with all the uncertainty of COVID, and I mean, it's it's it, it has been a sad thing. I mean, everybody's life has been put on hold because of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Do you? Uh, uh, do you plan on wanting to go back out and tour again? I, well, I'm sure that's your goal, but uh, how long do you think uh, for yourself it'll be before you're uh, able to get out there and uh, get back out and do your live thing? Yeah, I mean, at this point, that's really up in the air. I mean, at this point, I, I'm almost um, <laughs> I'm prepared to, to, pitch, to pitch virtual for at least six more months, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I'm 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 all set to perform live if it's okay, but I really don't see it being really okay for a while. Because I mean, if you're inside at a venue and you're packing people in there, it's just it's it's asking for disaster. Um, so I think it's going to be a while. I mean, uh, I'm really preparing to 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 hunker down and see if I can really make make something more out of the the virtual thing right now. I don't think it's scary. I don't think live entertainment's going to be a you know, come back anytime soon, to be honest, you know, and I talk to a lot of people, a lot of guys are, I don't really talk to them, but I, I see that they say, and they're, they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's, I'm a purist. I don't want to do any virtual shows. And I'm like, all right, well, you're leaving money on the table. Cause, um, uh, people, people are, that's the new thing. That yeah. You gotta find thing. a way to adapt. You know, you're, you're overcoming adapt. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it's like a lot of the wrestlers that we talk to, uh, right now don't have that luxury because I mean obviously they need to have a venue they need to have a ring they need to have yeah you know, uh, yeah it's different you can't really do that on it. TV yeah and you I mean you you can do it uh, what you do you can do essentially anywhere so it makes it a lot yeah. easier for you to have other money opportunities yeah man I mean I got a whole my office in my home office I got a whole setup here where it looks real professional with a backdrop and. Yeah, got got real nice lights I bought online, so it's pretty professional. It's not it's not like a shoddy shoddy thing. So now, do, do you like prop stuff, or, or or is it mostly cards, or do you like using different kind of things like 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 illusion illusionary props? Or I mean, what what is your favorite thing no. to do? Yeah, man, my, my my show pack's small, so my corporate show, my corporate parlor show. I could fit in like a, a pretty much in a backpack. Um, oh wow! But anyway, so I, I don't like to. I don't I do a lot of this mentalist stuff. So I don't really like to. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be guys. Every trick is like, okay, here's another card trick. So I do like one or two card things in my show. Um, I, I mean, I predict numbers and names. I predict a vacation that people will go on. I predict like you know where they would go, what they would do, how much they would spend. Um, I tell a funny story about getting mugged. <laughs> all kinds of stuff, but no, it's not just cards. I mean, and, and the hardest part for me has been adapting, saying, how can I do a routine that I would do live, and how can I do that by myself in my office for people watching? So, <clears throat> you know, it's a challenge. It really is. So, mm. so, uh, it, but you don't consider that uh, like doing the psychic thing, right? No, I don't do anything psychic. I don't even claim to be psychic. I do the comedy mind reading. I, I try to make it. If someone comes up to me after my show and says, that was really fun, that's what I'm going for. I want people to think they just had a fun time. 
I want I want them to have a fun time with a little a little how the heck did he do that sprinkled in. That's what I'm going for. I don't want to freak people out. I don't want to like you know eat glass and stuff like that. I want people to go, man, that was fun. But man, how did he do some of that stuff? That's what I'm going for with my show. Nice. And uh, you know, in generally, you know, because of the uh, you know uh, as a as a you know in the magician realm, you know. You're not allowed to reveal how you do stuff because you have, uh, uh, you guys like kind of like you guys have magicians have a code. Don't don't see that right. you can't you right. don't reveal how you did it. Well, yeah, you know, and that's, that's I don't know how many times, but the second you tell someone how a trick is done and if it's simple, their their reaction goes from wow to oh that's it that was kind of dumb. So you totally, you know, you belittle the whole thing if you start saying, you know, how it works. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does kill off you know, everything. I, yeah. I, I've been there. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like yeah, it's, it's kind of like uh, kind of like in the uh, the late '90s when the Fox uh, TV had those mass magician specials. You know, it's like revealing how right. they did. You know, I don't know if you ever saw any of those, but I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you can give an opinion on that, but. Uh, you know, just think about what it's like as a magician. I mean, some of these uh, some some of these magicians pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for these tricks, and it's Absolutely. their bread and butter. And then then someone reveals how it's done in five seconds. Like, wait a minute, <laughs> you just you know, what what is your opinion on that? <laughs> yeah, you just you just you just destroyed my whole act that I've been I spend hundred grand on and ten years learning. Yeah. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. So personally, I mean, it didn't really affect me because I don't do the big illusions. I think the reasoning the dude said was that magicians have been doing the same old crap for hundreds of years, and he thought if he exposed it, then people will be forced to come up with something new. But I, I honestly, I, I don't think that's up to him to do. I mean, if you were if you were performing, you know, and it was taking money out of your pocket because people don't want to come to your show because they know how it's done. I mean, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that that's fair for some guy to just, uh, you know, he's hurting. He's hurting someone's livelihood there. But but that was his idea, guys. Was that he um, he wanted people to come up with something new. So he thought he'd expose all the quote unquote old stuff. And uh, we have Ari There's Paul here. We got uh, yeah, we got three minutes here left with Ari. So. Um, Real quick here, uh, we'll go over this again. Uh, if our fans wanted to check you out and see what you're doing uh, and become good friends with you like I have, and I hope you consider me a friend because that, that would make my life. But uh, if they wanted uh-huh. to check you out, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch, you got a GoFundMe. What do you got? <laughs> nice. Well, definitely check out the, the APAUL Magic, the APAULMagic.com website. And then check out Facebook. It's called Ari Paul, A-R-I-P-A-U-L, The Entertainer. Uh, Ari Paul, The Entertainer, and that's my Facebook. And uh, A Paul Magic is my website. And, yeah, I mean, if you guys are looking for something, you guys listening and looking for something fun and different, um, I'm doing these shows virtual. You sit back, crack open a beer, glass of wine, whatever you want to do, watch the show, and then I can even teach you a little magic. Uh, you know, and I, I, I can do just a show and also just a class, too, but Corporate likes to do both together. It's something fun for their teams. But yeah, check check it out, guys. It's something fun and it's different at this during this time. So, and you guys are definitely buddies, man. We're friends now. We, you know, we know each other for at least an hour. <laughs> right. Mm. And you know, and the other 
the other thing that you can tell everybody, Ari, is that you actually have a, a collector's card that was made for you. You can actually tell people all about that, too. I had a – what was made? Well, uh, uh, the Icon made a collector's card for you and sent it to you on Messenger. Oh, yeah, did you? Oh, nice, nice. I didn't know that. I probably should have known that. Oh, I I thought you were sorry. I sent it on Messenger, but I'll, I'll send it again if you didn't get it. But Yeah, yeah, uh, please do, please yeah. do. Yeah, it's uh as a matter of fact you might uh you might remember the show. Uh let's see, uh you are uh standing with um you you're you're in this cool uh suit, um and uh um, Oh duh, yeah, well, that's the comedy suit? club. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, that was the one of, that was the first comedy club I ever did. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh we do appreciate Ari, you're awesome and uh you are great. And uh, if uh, if we haven't scared you away, hopefully uh, when you start going back out on the road that you'd want to come back on with us again and tell everybody when all your shows are and we'll get uh, our fans from all over the country uh, to come out and see you and say, hey, you know the icon, how's that working out for you or something like that? I don't know. No, man, it sounds good, fellas. And, you know, I'm down to fly out there and do some shows for you guys if you got anything going on. But stay in touch. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Ari. Have a great day. We love you, man. All right, guys, have a good one. I'll talk to you soon. Later. That was cool. So uh, our our next guest uh, should be calling in here shortly. Uh, He'll be calling in from San Diego, California. Uh, I don't exactly know the area code, uh, but uh, uh, he'll be calling in. He just confirmed. So uh, we'll be talking to to a great football. Is it by by any chance 858, which is San San Diego Beach? Yeah, is he on now? Yes, sir. All right, I'll introduce him, put him on, then we'll go to him. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is the greatest running back in the history of the San Diego Super Chargers. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man that helped any quarterback in San Diego history, especially Dan Fouts, a good legend himself, he's the one that made Dan Fouts a legend. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Hank Bauer. That's that. that all of those are lies. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment, but let's be real. All right. Okay. All right. Well, is this what I'm supposed to say? You're listening to. The Attitude Era Live with the host, the Ike, Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. Right, exactly. Perfect. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's great to be on with you guys. How you guys doing? Good. How, how are you, Hank? Thanks for uh, taking time out of your thank, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to uh, joining us. We have uh, Hank Bauer with us. We have about forty three minutes here. Um, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to uh, have you give us a little background about yourself, and then uh, I'll ask you a few questions, and then we'll go around the room, and then we'll come back, and I'll ask you the hard-hitting questions. But if you want to give us a quick little background about uh, yourself, then we can uh, chat with you. Well, um, grew up on a farm in Nebraska. We moved to Orange County, California, when I was in the fifth grade, school there. I uh, grew up with a guy named Gary Carter, who became a dear friend, uh, the late New York Met Hall of Fame catcher. Uh, then I had an offer to Stanford, and they weren't going to let me play baseball and football, so 
I went to a tiny college named Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks, where the Rams are currently. Uh, graduated from there, started with the Dallas Cowboys as a free agent, cut me on my birthday, and the Chargers picked me up. And a, next thing you know, I played seven years for the Chargers, broke my neck, had to retire, went to, went to coach with Don Coriel asked me to coach with him and uh, became a coordinator there, special teams coordinator, running backs coach, did that for four years, and then went into TV and radio, which is what I'm still doing most recently and, and currently uh, with Sports USA National NFL. It's a national network for the NFL radio. So that's you all caught up on my background. Now, uh, you know, you uh you were doing uh you were broadcasting games for uh the Chargers, uh and unfortunately they decided to leave San Diego. Um I don't know if you'd be yeah. I don't know if you'd be willing to let us uh, uh talk about that a little bit, but when uh, they did when you heard that the, the Chargers were leaving San Diego, what was your reaction? Well, I, I was pretty close to the situation, you know. I, I anchored sports on the CBS affiliate here. So I knew I knew the inner workings of the politics of how this thing was going to work out. And I think the biggest misconception on how it turned out was every the easy thing to do was just blame the Chargers, blame Dean Spanos, the owner. Uh, and, and, and that wasn't the case. The, the, the city and the county could never strike a deal to build a new stadium, so Dean didn't have a choice. Uh, he had to move to Los Angeles. So... Uh, People ask me how I feel about it. I, I, the, the best way to describe how a former Charger, San Diego Charger, feels about it is now I know what kids feel like when their parents get divorced. You have mm. no control over it. You know, you love them both. I love this city. I love that organization. Look, I, I played, coached, and broadcast in that organization for 29 years. It's a lot of road trips, right? Mm. A lot, of, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of relationships. And and, and, and so I, I feel like, you look, at my mom moved to a city and she's shacking up with a guy I want no part of, Los Angeles. And I still live here in San Diego. I love my mom, though. I want her to be happy. My mom is obviously representing the team. And my dad yes, is in yes, the city yes. of San Diego. And, 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 and so... I kind of feel now I know what kids feel like when their parents get divorced. Well, um, now for uh, I've heard a lot of this too, and um, and I actually work. It's funny, like uh, I work. I live in New York, which is probably the farthest point geographically away from you in the entire country. But uh, well, maybe Boston. Boston's a little further. But anyway, uh, I work for a local ESPN anchored station here in New York. It actually is broadcasting us through right now actually on on the fm waves and uh you know i i i have heard this before about the chargers now we don't broadcast the chargers my show uh that i have you know every morning from 10 to 12 i very rarely talk chargers unless you know it's a playoff contention or something crazy happens because it's just so far away but i did hear that uh, Qualcomm Stadium at the time, uh, you know, the city couldn't strike a deal, but in your opinion, did they need a stadium upgrade? I mean, I heard a lot of people say Qualcomm Stadium was falling apart, but from somebody who played there and then 
had, had had such an integral part of being there after your career, uh, was it time for an upgrade or was it one of those things where one side wanted a little something and the other side was like, you don't need it? Well, all you need to know is today they put the shovels mm-hmm. in the ground to tear down that history stadium that had, mm-hmm. was, has been falling apart for 20 years. And oh, it, it was antiquated. Okay. Absolutely. It was antiquated. Um, you know, it just, the, the land was not, it's such a beautiful piece of land right in the heart of Mission Valley. Mm-hmm. It, it needed to be either developed into a state-of-the-art stadium where you could host Super Bowls and things like that, right? Big conventions. Because it was never going to happen. Bill, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. They're they're, they're starting to tear it down, starting today. Oh, wow. To build a brand-new complex and a Western campus and a small stadium for San Diego State University that is totally privately funded. Now, do uh, do a lot of fans? You, you know, you, you gave us the analogy about um, you, you gave us the analogy about the the mother living, you know, in L.A. and the father in San Diego. Do a lot of fans who are diehard Chargers fans uh, still make the trip, or is it kind of like a stub your nose, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go up there, I'll just watch on TV type of thing? You know, it's hard to it's hard to say and hard to. I mean, I'm not sure what to believe. Because it's only about two hours, right? Only about a two-hour trip? Yeah, it's a two-hour trip on a Sunday morning. And it was a a soccer stadium on on, on a college campus, right? Uh, Originally. Yeah, it held like 28, 30-some thousand, whatever it was. And and so, you will say to make it sales, right? And, and, And so this year... In the worst timing in the world department, the SoFi Stadium, built by the owner of the Rams, Dan Coffey, they will kick off in that new stadium, probably without any fans in right? But, but yes. the games that I did there, I can tell you this, they were sold out, and I would say at least, I did the Green Bay game there last year, I would say, I would, and it's just a guess, 60, 70% Green Bay fans. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So, okay, so they weren't getting the draw. Um, because, you know, the Chargers were, and, and L.A. people will say, oh, well, they were our team first, and yada, 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 and we're, we're, we're you know, we love the Chargers, but there's something about San Diego. My entire childhood, they've been the San Diego. I still make a mistake sometimes on the air on my show and still call them San Diego even though I know they're LA. So it just, it just is, is one of those things where, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's to me, I don't have to deal with it. I, I'm a fan of, of a team who's not going anywhere, but I can imagine being a team that, that moves um, after su- such a, such a um, long time there with such a, a rabid fan base. It's gotta be tough for everybody involved. It is. I mean, it sucks. It sucks for me. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I wish the Chargers nothing but the best. They're my family. I, I look, I traveled with them for mm-hmm. 29 years, right? I played, mm-hmm. I coached, I broadcast. I'm on their all-time 50th anniversary team, their 40th anniversary team. 
you know, I've, I've been a team captain. I've, you know, on and on and on, right? Sure, sure. They're my team. They will always be my team. I will always work for the Chargers. But I mm. hate the fact that they're in Los Angeles. Because you know what? People, mm. in, people in San Diego, we live in San Diego for a reason. Because we don't want to live in L.A. I don't want to live in L.A. I lived in Orange County. I went to high school. I grew up half my life in Orange County. I went to college in Thousand Oaks, north of Los Angeles. I, if I wanted to, I could live in L.A. I don't want to live in L.A. I love mm-hmm. San Diego. So, for me, it's just it, it, it's heartbreaking. There's still, believe me, there's still a lot of really rabid Charger fans that live here, though. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of fans that, that, that really dislike the, the team and the franchise. And, Phil, mm-hmm. and I think that no, and I think that they're a little bit misinformed because the easy thing to do is just blame the team. I'm telling you right now, the team didn't have a choice. If they when they when they tried to, when they tried to vote on a new stadium, they made it a citywide vote instead of a countywide vote. And if they would have made it a countywide vote, I am convinced it would have passed and they would have never left. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, See, these are things we don't hear about over here on the East Coast. So, huh. Well, that's actually really interesting. Yeah, well. uh, Hank Bowers, our guest here. Uh, we have uh, 33 minutes here left with Hank. Um, I'm kind of uh, – one thing I am uh, curious about, you know, you mentioned that, you know, San Diego Chargers are, are still your family, always, and you're always going to still going to root for them. But uh, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, you know, uh, I'm from Fargo, North Dakota here, uh, home of the NDSU Bison, and we sent a quarterback uh, out there, Easton Stick. Uh, have you had a chance to uh, check him out, and what is your thought on him? Well, I did. I, I, you know, it was a training camp last year up at Costa Mesa. Um, I did – I think I did two or three of their games last year on, on Sports USA National. Um and he didn't play, obviously. Philip Rivers always played. Mm-hmm. No, you know. Oh yes. So, so I, 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 don't really know what to make of him, other than, you know, Tyrod Taylor is the guy. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he's going to be the guy uh, to start the season. Then they draft the number one pick out of Oregon. So you would think, unless this kid, if, there, if there's a couple injuries and he gets a chance and he just shows out. And we've seen that before. That's not, you know, Kurt Warner, people forget how Kurt Warner got his start, right? Should I remind people how Kurt Warner got his start? He was stocking Um, shelves in the supermarket. He was was playing arena football, right, in Iowa. And he was a backup. I was there for the game that the Chargers were playing the Rams. And Trent Green went down with a knee injury because Rodney Harrison – blitz and blew his knee out and Kurt Warner got his chance to play and the rest is history and he earned a hall he's in the hall of fame now think about that so so unless you know Hugh Stick gets that kind of break I don't see it happening this year for sure but but we've seen it I mean Kurt Warner's a living example uh Hank Bowers our guest here we have uh 31 minutes here with Hank uh one thing I, I do want to do, Hank, before uh, we uh, – or should I call you Mr. Bauer? What, what do you prefer? I, I, my friends call me Hammer. Hammer? Hammer. Okay, right. well, I'll, I'll I like call Hammer. you Hammer if I can. Yeah, because right. uh, I – call I, me I, Hammer. 
because I, I think you consider me a friend. Uh, if not, just lie to me. But anyway, uh, uh-huh. we're gonna bring uh, we're gonna bring Granny Hulkster on now. She's a uh, she's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, Granny, what do you have for our guest, Hank Bauer? We have thirty one minutes. Go ahead. Well, I've been enjoying listening to this conversation, but you know. I don't like Los Angeles either. I had to fly to, I had to go to Anaheim back in 2011 for a, I belong to a Moose Lodge and it was our international convention and I had to actually fly into Los Angeles and I didn't care much for that because when I landed, I was waiting for the shuttle to pick me up and we, and I had to call three different times before they finally found me and I was at LAX airport from like, 1040 Los Angeles time till almost 130 in the morning and I didn't care for being in Los Angeles and I'll probably never go back. So my experience well, in Los wait, Angeles wait, 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 is horrible. Wait, wait. wait that's, that's your first mistake. If you're going to Anaheim, fly into Orange County. Well, I couldn't fly into Orange County because of the airline that I flew out on. It was my first time ever flying and I took Allegiant and I out of Northwest Arkansas or XNA, and I had to fly into Los Angeles. So, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I couldn't fly into Orange County. So, where you go, LAX? <laughs> you're telling me the first time you ever flew in your life, you went to LAX. My God. Yeah, That's I insane. know. It, 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 it was horrible. It was awful. It was awful, and I'll never fly to Los Angeles ever again. Well, wait, 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 wait. But, hey, can I can I just say can I just say one thing? I don't hate yeah. LA. I think LA is a wonderful city. I think LA's got a lot to offer. I mean it's diverse. There's a lot of great things about Los Angeles, okay? But okay. I love San Diego. We don't we don't want to live in LA. That's how good San Diego is. We call it America's finest city. It's not that I hate LA. Not that LA is bad. Okay, I went to high school there in Orange County. I went to college mm-hmm. just north of L.A. L.A. is amazing, an amazing place. The City of Angels is amazing. I just prefer San Diego. It's, it's not even close. Well, I know you And see, I'm originally from Kansas. I, I was born and raised in Kansas, so we were like an hour from Kansas City. So. Hmm. I'm, you know, I, that's why I love the Chiefs. I love the Royals. You know, wait, wait, wait. Let, me, let, me, let me ask you. This. Let me ask you this: How big was your town you were raised in? Uh, probably about fifty or sixty thousand people. It was oh a military God, that's, town that's because a, girl, because girl, we were we. Wait, wait, wait! That's, that's a city. City. I, I grew up in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Population then about sixteen thousand. I know where Scotts Bluff is because I lived in a little town in western Kansas, little farming community town, thirty-five miles west of Goodland for seventeen years, and we were ten miles from the Colorado borderline and thirteen miles from the Nebraska line. So I know where Scotts Bluff is in Nebraska. Yeah, right. And the Panhandle. Yeah, the Panhandle, Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's see, Gearing and Scotts, right on the North Platte River. Unbelievable yep. place to grow up as a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, I who did like you, uh, Hammer, who, farming community? Well, Hammer, who, who did you who did you root for growing up? Who was your team when you were a kid? Go Big Red. Are you Bob Devaney? No, I know, I know that that the college. Did you have a pro team? Oh hell no! I, I we no no we black and white team. 
we didn't know it. I didn't honestly. I was a baseball kid. Oh, okay. I, I I really I didn't start playing football until junior high in Orange County. So oh, okay. I, I really, you know, we didn't grow up watching a lot of football. It was all college football. I didn't. I knew mm. nothing about the NFL. In fact, I didn't make my choice. I played college baseball as well. I didn't make my choice to, to try to play in the NFL until my after my junior year, after my sophomore year in college, but. So, I was a Yankee fan. You know why I was a Yankee fan? Because you're smart. They always won. <laughs> no, why? Uh, there's, there, they had a they had a right fielder who who is a, a a Marine Corps veteran by the name of Hank Bauer. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Who, uh, what's interesting? What's interesting about Hank Bauer is he actually got traded. Uh, the the Yankees traded him to get Roger Maris, who was from Fargo, North Dakota, as well. There you go. See how we're all connected. Hey, you want a little? Hey, Granny, you want a little? Uh, Granny, you want a little Nebraska trivia? Uh, uh, a little, little little Nebraska trivia here, real quick, since we have a native native Nebraskan, even though he's been in California for a long time. Um, the the stadium in Lincoln uh, over there, the Nebraska Stadium, holds give or take, you know, about a hundred thousand, give or take. The population of Nebraska is just over a million people. So, on any given Sunday or Saturday afternoon, rather, a tenth of the state's population is in that stadium. Uh, on their, on their, th- think about that. A, a tenth of the state's population is in the Cornhusker Stadium on Saturday afternoons for home games. I believe that. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I, I I'll tell you, say, they're, they're very rabid, though. They love that team out there. I'll give you that. <laughs> they really do. No question. And and I got to tell you, growing up in the Midwest, I am so thankful I didn't have to grow up on the West Coast because there's a oh, lot yeah? of stuff going on here. You know, what, mm. when the biggest thing we had, to, when the biggest thing I had to worry about as a six-year-old was chasing after the pheasant my dad just shot. You know, <laughs> mm. it was a pretty good life. You know. Yeah, the hustle and bustle of the West Coast has to be kind of kind of weird for some kids every once in a while. I mean, it, it, it's it's I mean, because when you're flying in, and Granny, when you said uh, you know you flew into L.A., um, you know when, when you're flying into those areas, San Diego, L.A., whatever it may be, California in general. I mean, you look out the plane window, and it's just houses. All you see is roofs of houses for a hundred miles coming in. I mean, it's just population. You want to talk population density? It's insane. Whereas I'm looking at an aerial shot of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska right now, there's a little cluster in the middle, but it's mostly farmland. So it's got to be a lot different uh, being out in such a heavily populated place coming from there. It's got to be interesting. Yeah, it's, 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 pretty, it's, it's pretty wild. I got, I got to tell you, one thing about California that is cool is our, the Central Valley of, of California mm-hmm. is one of the biggest farming regions in the world. And oh, wow. I, I driven yeah. through yeah, if you, if you research that, from Bakersfield all the way up just south of the Bay Area, um, you know, just Fresno and Bakersfield and Visalia and the, the Central Valley of California, uh, you, do your research. It, it, when, when I've driven through there, it takes me right back. I mean, it almost takes me right back. California, hmm. California is a great, a great state. We've got Lake Tahoe, the Sierra Nevada Mountains. We've got the California deserts. We've got the amazing beaches. San Francisco is like its own world with that beautiful city on the on the bay. 
great sports town. We've got L.A., which is amazing, San Diego, which is, to me, the best place in the world to live. And then you got Northern California, which is like going to a whole different state. You know, it's, it's more rural, small town, uh, you know, tons of different colleges. California is really diverse. I mean, it's, 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 it's a wonderful place to live. I hate the taxes. I hate the politics. Um, <laughs> I hate the freeways. I hate the traffic. Other than that, man, this is, I, 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 literally, I am looking for places to retire to, and I can't, can't find a better place in San Diego. Oh, wow. Um, Hank Bauer is our guest here. Uh, we got uh, 22 minutes here with Hank. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple other questions. I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about football, if we can. Uh, you know, I got uh, I got uh, two good friends uh, from San Diego that you might know. Uh, uh, one that was my roommate, and he goes by Bromo. He's a friend of yours on Facebook. And uh, uh, another good friend of mine from San Diego, uh, Jim Babbitt. I know that he knows uh, he knows you. He knows you as well. I don't know if you remember those guys or not. Abramovics, Abramo in radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a crazy dude. We worked together yeah, he was my a, a little for, bit in radio. Yeah, he was my roommate for a whole year when he lived here in Fargo. No kidding. Yep. So yeah, it's, I know it's Bromo, a small world, isn't I, it? I, I, I to Bromo in years, but uh, I guess he's doing pretty well. Uh, Jim Babbitt. I'm not sure. I know. Do you know Bob Babbitt? Bob Babbitt owns Competitor Magazine. Bob Babbitt, who, by the way, is probably the most connected Ironman triathlon person on the planet. Um, in fact, Bob Babbitt's good friend, uh, he got me when I was working at Channel 8, which is a CBS affiliate TV here. I was the first person to ever broadcast live from the Ironman on, on the Big Island of Hawaii. Um and, and because we had so many tri- triathletes here, training and living, uh, it was really a, a pretty neat thing to do and report all week uh, back to, to this. Literally, they're like their home base. So it was pretty cool. And I guess most of them travel and, and, and train in Colorado now. Uh, but Bob Babbitt, yes. Bromo, yes. That's awesome. Uh, Hank Bowers, our guest here. We got 20 minutes here with Hank. Now, uh, I, I want to kind of circle back, and then we'll, uh, uh, I want to ask you uh, uh, about uh, some some great football stuff. And like I say, I uh, uh, I became a uh, Charger fan uh, because I'm also a Vikings fan. You know, you guys also you know have the cool logos on your helmets. But uh, one thing I do want to uh, talk about, um, and I know you have a lot of stories, uh, and we could probably do a whole week show on it, but. Um, hmm. Uh, everybody knows that, uh, you had, uh, the greatest legendary quarterback, in my opinion, uh, the MFIC, and everybody knows what that stands for if you're a Charger fan. Uh, yeah, it's, my, wait, wait. it's my friend in charge. Okay, well, mm. he, uh, on a other documentary, he said it says something else, but anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's but, uh, says, right. Uh, now, uh, you know, you, uh, you had probably, uh, the, they called it the greatest game ever played. Uh, you know, you had, uh, Dan Fouch, you had Keelan Winslow, uh, there was Hank Bauer on that team. Now, if you could just a little bit, and I know you have a lot of stories about it, but if you could take us back 
to that game and that it's the most it was known now as the the greatest game ever played uh at the time you didn't know it was going to be as legendary as it is but take us back if you could what was like being part of that that game and that team well when i think back about the 41-38 overtime win in Miami. They call it the epic in Miami. Uh, what it does is it spins me towards the next week. We won the right to play in the AFC championship game seven days later. And when we played that game in Miami, I've never, of all the games that I've seen, broadcast, coach, I'm going on a 1,000 games as a player, coach, and broadcaster. It's a lot of NFL games, right? I've never seen a game where at the end of that game, it looked like every player, coach, and even fan was just spent, totally exhausted, emotionally. And it was epic. And, and, and we got out of there with the win. But, it, but when I think about that, I think about what a short week it was because there wasn't two weeks between, you know, games. We had to fly back from Miami Guys were cramped. <laughs> Guys were laid out on the plane. It looked like a mash. It looked, it looked like a, a literally a hospital plane flying back to San Diego. And then five days later, we're flying to Cincinnati, and, and we land, and we played in the coldest game in the history of the NFL in the AFC Championship game. So we went from literally a heat index of about 120 to 130, to 59 below zero wind chill. Wow. That's got to be terrible. And, and so when I, yeah, when I think of that game, that's what I think about. I think about that whole run, you know? Now, um, you know, and uh, I, I hope you won't be mad at me for uh, asking this question, but uh, now if that game would have been played in San Diego instead of uh, Cincinnati, you guys would have went on to win the Super Bowl that year. You said that I didn't. I, I congratulate <laughs> the Bengals. Look, if they played in the same conditions and they beat us, I think it was 20, what was it, 27-7 or something? Uh, right. You know, it, it was like, it was like, um, I mean, it, the winds are blowing 30 to 40. It was 19 below zero wind, you know, Temperature wise, on Ash, but you know what? I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that because we'll never know. But I will say this: we played them on Monday night the next year in San Diego. I'll, I'll leave it for you and guys to even, look up that score. I think we scored fifty it was, something. Yeah, it was yeah, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even right. close. Right. So, but and, but you know that, that they earned it. I'll, I'll never say a disparaging thing about it. they they. They kicked our ass. Well, you know, I'll tell you the uh, be, but being part of that team though, and having uh, Don Coriel as uh, your coach, bring in uh, what they would know Eric Coriel. Uh, Eric Coriel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, um, you know, if uh, if you remember, um, I can't remember what it what it was, but there was a commercial. Uh, Welcome to uh, San Diego. Thank you for flying Air Cardio with your <laughs> pilot, Dan Fouts. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, here's the thing. If you go back and look at the numbers, we threw more than most teams because the game was different back then. But we mm-hmm. could run the ball. 
we, we had great runners. James Brooks, Chuck Muncie. You know, we had Lydell Mitchell, played with Joe Washington. You know, we had great runners. And, 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 and so, you know, we, 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 the beauty of that offense is we, we, we took what the, what, what the defense gave us, you know, and, and most teams back there were going to stop the run first. So we, so we just, we threw. You know, we went to, we went to the line of scrimmage and we had run pass audible. And Dan controlled the game plan with all with audibles. I'd say probably at least fifty percent of the time. So, you know, it, it, it was it was fun to play in. You know what? You know what? I'm disappointed. Other than never playing in a Super Bowl, I'm most disappointed in. I think there are two guys that should be in the at least two guys that should be in the Hall of Fame that are not because. I, I think there's a huge um, I think there's a huge thing about guys that have played or coached in Super Bowls who get into the hall. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm saying there should be a place for guys that have impacted the game and influenced the game in a Hall of Fame way. And there are two guys that come to mind, Don Coryell. All he all he did was give give John Madden and Joe Gibbs their first job coaching, right? Mm. They have getting them started. Joe Joe was our offensive coordinator here with Bill Coriel before he went to the Redskins, and played for Don in San Diego State as an offensive lineman. Joe Gibbs was, and 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 then those two Don to me, there's no question he has Im- impacted and influenced the game. Even with his coaching tree and how the game is played today, there's no question he should be in the Hall of Fame. But we didn't win a Super Bowl, so he's not. And he's the only coach that has 100 wins, or at least used to be, 100 wins college, 100 wins in the NFL. Think about that hmm. and, and how he's influenced the game. So Don Coryell to me should be in. It's a travesty. And then I played with maybe my favorite teammate, 16 years, he played in four Super Bowls with the Minnesota Vikings uh, and didn't win any of them. And he played, he started all five offensive linemen positions, played like six or seven Pro Bowls. And you tell me why Ed White's not in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. You know, you know, hmm. Ed White, you know, there's, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a big Vikings fan. Everybody knows that. And I'm just going to touch on this real quick. You know, there's uh, a few other Vikings, you know, that should be in the Hall of Fame. Jim Marshall, I don't know if you uh, – I'll, I'll name a few, and I'll tell you – you can tell me if you agree or not. Uh, Jim Marshall's one, uh, um, which um. You have, you'd have to say <laughs> – you'd have to say Jim Marshall deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, but you said there was a couple. Who's the other ones? Uh that that's that's the that's the main one that comes to mind would be oh, uh, all right well fair enough so say that there was one <laughs> I, uh, well, I, I I don't know I, I, I got you know people the question you know the question I get asked the most what's these that? days is what, what what's your favorite thing about your career even now I'm still broadcasting games week one on Sports USA I'll either be doing with Larry Kahn I'll either be doing the Dolphins at New England or uh, Arizona at San Francisco or late game. But you know what my favorite thing of my playing, coaching, broadcasting career has been? After my second year, I got invited to represent the NFL 
on an NFL USO handshake. And we went for a month straight in the Far East. And we visited troops in Japan, Okinawa, the Philippines, Korea, Taiwan, Hawaii. And the four guys I traveled with, Steeler offensive lineman John Cole, Jets defensive lineman Joe Klecko, and one of my favorite people on the planet, Viking linebacker Matt Blair. And mm. I, we traveled together for a month and shook hands. We were on, we, we landed on aircraft carriers. We landed up on uh, radar bases overlooking the DNC in South and North Korea, right there. Uh, you name it. We were in Quonset huts in the middle of jungles in Okinawa. Wow. And, you know, and, and to me, that was my favorite thing. God bless our troops. People, people have no idea. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. We, we, we land in, heli- in helos and helicopters mm-hmm. on this base, Falgon Song. It's on a mountaintop overlooking south, from South Korea, overlooking North Korea and the DMZ. Of course, it's all radar, guns, all this stuff. They fly us in. There's maybe 50 troops up there. They hadn't been off that long in six months. And I'm talking to this kid. Of course, 22 or 23 at the time. This kid's 18 years old. He's a Marine. He's a grunt. So where are you from, man? He goes, I think he might have been from Kansas. He goes, He goes. I've been to two places in my life. I was in Can- on the farm in Kansas to Camp Lejeune and to here. Those are the only places I've known. Oh, he's from Iowa. He's wow. from Iowa. And, and I'll never forget him telling me that. And we just, and it hit me the sacrifices these men and women make. It's its unbelievable. God bless our troops. That was, to me, that was uh, a highlight. Uh, Hank Bowers, our guest here. We got uh, 14 minutes. Uh, I got a text that just came in, uh, Hank. I was supposed to say hi to you from uh, Jim Babbitt. I guess you guys worked together in 1990 at Y95. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. My first job in radio with Jeff and Jeff. Morning radio. Yeah, yep. it was great. Yep. Yeah, tell Jim yeah, I you said hello. That's awesome. I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, Hank, we do appreciate you taking uh, time out of your busy schedule to join us tonight. And we're we're not ready to say goodbye to you yet. We got 13 minutes left, and I want to get all this. I want to get all this in. But uh, I'm just kind of curious if you would all the great teammates that you had over the years. But I'm I'm kind of curious if you could tell us your favorite Dan Fouts story. Uh, I, I, the, my favorite, I cannot tell. I cannot share. Uh, okay. So okay. one of your favorites. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. Uh, oh, I, here's my favorite. I'll tell you my favorite. This, well, the one that I can tell. So, so the second time that the Raiders are moving, uh, the, 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 the sec, or at least the first, no, it was the first, the Raiders, we're moving from Oakland to L.A., right? It was the last time we were going to play in Oakland, okay? And Dan was in his, like, 13th year, whatever it was. Raiders were going to move to L.A. Of course, they moved back, then they moved out again, right? <clears throat> so, so we go up there to Oakland, and it was a bitter rivalry. And have you guys ever been there to a game in Oakland? Um, no, I, I wanted to. It was on my bucket list before they moved to Vegas, but I didn't get a chance to get out there. 
Okay, so you've got so you've got every. <laughs> it's hard to describe them because they're such great fans. They're amazing. Yep. They are the best. But but criminal element. The people that want to act like they're the criminal element that really aren't the criminal element. But when they mm-hmm. get to a Raider game, they're all the criminal elements. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, like, collective, it's like yes. the guy that wears the, Yeah, it's like the guy that wears that. You know, the guy that when you come out of the tunnel. The guy that has the shoulder pads on and his face is silver and black. He's got the spiked shoulder pads, and his name is Violator. Remember that guy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and, and so and here's how crazy it was. He got his wife to do the same thing and dress up the same way, and all, her name played on the back was Violated, which I thought was so Raider-like. So he had the wow. Violator and Violated. <laughs> it was unbelievable. So, so Fouts, we go in there. It's the last time we're going to play in Oakland. Dan knows it. We know it. We're going to play the Raiders from 82 on up in L.A., right, at the Coliseum. So mm. we've, been, we've been taking stuff from the Raider fans, biting our tongues. Great fans. Yeah. And the Raiders, and the Raiders kicked our ass for a lot of those years, right? But we mm. got pretty good, and we, we developed a pretty good rivalry. Dan, we Dan, it was a game I, like I've never seen. Kellen Winslow caught five touchdown passes, five. And after the fifth one, we're on the sideline, and Dan is looking at the stands. He's going, you, you, and he's screaming at these fans, which Dan never did. He's the smartest. He, he knew better, right? He goes, you can, you can stick it here. And you can kiss this, and you can do that, and you are a this and that, and cussing them out. And I look at him, and I go, Dan, are you nuts? And he looked hmm. at me and says, Hammer, we're never coming back here. I'm never playing in this. I'm never playing in this crap hole again. Right? And I go, that's why you are this. He goes, I've been waiting 13, 14, 15, whatever it's been, 15 years to do this. And I go, God, you're smart. <laughs> I never thought of that, right? So, we got the, we got so the by the time they moved back to cool. Oakland, by the time they moved back to Oakland, you guys were already already gone, right? Faust wasn't there anymore when no, they went back. We were gone. Back to... We were long. We were okay. long gone. We knew we were never going to play there again. That's, okay. that, that was the okay. whole thing about why Dan did it. I thought, this guy is even smarter than I thought he was. He's amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I actually, I'm actually hate to admit this, but. Uh, my two favorite Dan Faust lines, and uh, th- there's been many, but uh, my two favorite Dan Faust lines are when he just, when he tells us what the M- uh, MFIC stood for on his hat, and mm-hmm. uh, this one, Boucher knocked the poop out of him. I mean, that's my favorite Dan Faust line in history <laughs> from the movie Waterboy. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, I got. I, 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 I like the. Did you ever see oh, the one, the clip of Dan, of Don Coryell coming to Dan saying, hey, well, you know, we thought we were going to do this and that. And Dan says, well, is that what you wanted me to do was throw a touchdown? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because Coryell was trying to say, you know, talk Texas and those angles. Well, yeah, I came off and I threw the touchdown. Is that what you wanted me to do? It was mm-hmm. funny because everybody would say, you know, your defense sucks. And if you guys had had a better defense, and, 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 and Dan used to say, and, and they would say, well, you guys scored too fast, right? We scored too fast. It was like a relay race. And, and Dan would used to always say, well, is that what we're supposed to do, score touchdowns? 
it is still okay mm-hmm. for defense to make stops, right? So I thought that was pretty good luck, too. Yeah, I, I know uh, all about fans. I uh, I actually happen to be, even though I live in New York, born and raised in New York, you know, New York my whole life, um, I I am actually, and again, I, I do apologize for anything. I, I get a lot of ribbing on this show, but I am uh, diehard to the death. My entire place is decked out. I am diehard Cowboys fan. I know that might be a little bit of a sore subject with you, or a little bit of a sore subject with you, but... But yes, diehard Cowboys, and uh, so but I know all about fans. Um, uh, when you mentioned the Raiders fans, it actually is funny to me because uh, who I've had to deal with personally is, and everyone thinks, oh, Giants, and oh, Gi-. no, 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 Philly, Philadelphia. I, I, I don't know if they would like this when you played, but I mean, I'm walking, down, I'm walking down the concourse. I got a beer in my hand. I got my pretzel. I got my 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 Romo jersey on at the time, and I'm walking in my seat, and they just walk right past you, and they go. Now they just assume every Cowboy fan's from Texas, right? The dude throws his beer at, like basically in my face. He's like, go go the f back to Texas. You know, get out of here. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, okay, you know. So so then I'm sitting there. And you know I'm all wet. It's a it's a November game, so it's cold, and I'm all wet with beer. And I hear I hear behind me, Romo, hey Romo. And I'm thinking to myself, he can't hear you from up here. What the hell is the guy yelling at Romo for? And my buddy my buddy taps me with the elbow, and he goes, look down. And I got my I realize I got my Romo jersey on, and I'm like, uh. He goes Romo. So finally I turn around, and I turn around, and he just goes, eh, and he flicks me off. He's like, eh, you go home. I'm like, oh my god, like this dude. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You you wore a Cowboys jersey to into Philly. Yes. You're out of your mind. Now, by the way, not only way, did not only that- did those two well, not only did those two events happen, right? Now I didn't think anything of it. Everyone told me the horror stories. I'm landing on the plane. I, I'm flying because I, I have a place in Tampa. Uh, my actually a lot of my family is Bucks fans, and we we were down in Tampa for Thanksgiving. And we were, I, I flew back up. I figured out oh, on my way home, I'll stop in Philly, see the game, and then, and then, you know, and then take a little, little, you know, puddle jumper jet back to Albany and, and go home. So I'm flying up there. I'm landing in the airport in Philly, and the the, the lady, the stewardess, comes over to uh, the microphone. And she goes, "All right, we're making our final descent into Philadelphia. The, uh, you know, the stewardess will be back to pick up any access cups, knives, plates, napkins, or Dallas Cowboys jerseys, or anything else we consider trash here in Philadelphia." And I'm like, "What the hell?" I'm sitting there like, well, I can't, "I'm getting it from all angles. What is this?" So, in fact, I do love it though. I, I mean, a lot of that stuff it, it makes it fun. It really does. Being a fan. You know, you know it, what? Really, it really makes it I fun. Get, and, and I get to go to, you know, KC and Seattle yeah. and Philly, you know, cities with mm-hmm. really rabid fan bases, you know. And I get to mm-hmm. look at it from a different perspective, right? From, from, oh, yeah. Instead of coming as a, as, a, as a Charger person, player, coach, or broadcaster, as a national broadcaster, you know, you're neutral. Every game, you're neutral. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I, I got to tell you, the fans are great. Philly fans are great. I love Philly fans. I think the bark may be worse than their bite. It used to be pretty bad, but mm-hmm. their bark is pretty. Their bark is pretty loud and it's pretty 
cutting, and it's still pretty Philadelphia. Well, I remember when Michael Irvin, Michael Irvin broke his neck, and they booed him because it was taking too long. It was a delay of day. <laughs> and I remember they, they, they used to throw snowballs at Santa. Uh, I remember all sorts of Philly cowboy moments that were that were not scrolling up. <laughs> and for the record, nuts. for the record, for the record, I don't hate the Cowboys. I'm, oh, okay. I'm thankful the Cowboys. Look at they cut they cut me, and look how look look at my how my life is has gone. In this mm. city, to have to have coached, to have played for Joe Gibbs, and 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 mm. Don Coryell and Ernie Zampezi, and to play yep. with Kellen Winslow and Dan South and Charlie Joyner and Louis Coucher and all the great players I got to play with, and then to coach with the guys I coach. In fact, in fact, whenever I run into who was my special teams coach in Dallas, briefly. Okay. Or Dan, Dan Reeves, who was my running back coach briefly in Dallas, mm. I absolutely thanked him for cutting me. At mm. the time, I, at the time I, I didn't like him so much, but looking back, I'm thankful. Mm. Well, good. Uh, okay. I, don't, I don't know that I would have handled uh, it. <laughs> Hank Bowers, our guest here. We got we got about uh, we got about three minutes or so left with Hank. Uh, uh, you know, of course, Hank, in my opinion, the best thing that happened to Philadelphia was a North Dakota State University quarterback called Carson Wentz. That's just my opinion. Oh, God. Uh, Carson's uh, overrated. Get out of here. Overrated. No, no, love him. Love him. Love him. Absolutely love him. Overrated. No, uh, <laughs> Got to stay healthy, but well, I love him. Well, Hank, I, I got to ask a couple uh, ego questions here for you, and uh, oh boy. hopefully you, uh, you'll be able to hopefully you'll be able to help us out with that. If I were to uh, send you an address on Messenger, might you be able to send us a few autographs for some giveaways for our big December show we got coming up? Sure. I and don't know that uh, really the other thing is, <laughs> well, and the other thing is, you know, the the icon made you a cool little football card. I was wondering what you thought of that. Appreciate it. Awesome. Pretty cool. Pretty so, cool. Icon, I'll well, tell you what. Think, uh, I'll tell you what, Icon. I got go somebody ahead. here. Um, I got somebody here. You want to talk about national broadcaster? I got I got my uh, my program director here because we're running through the ESPN station here. I'm not on the actual airwaves. I'm in the sister station on our other on our other channel because I'm not. We're not special enough to get on the actual ESPN airwaves here. But when I do my show during the day. I'm on it, and he's texting me, and and he knows who you are. He goes, "Why the hell do you have Hank Bauer on your show now, and you can't get him during the day?" I go, "We never asked to get him during the day." And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, "All right, somebody knows who he is in New York State, so there we go." Oh, Hank Bauer. He's texting me, going, "Hey, uh, blah, blah, blah. so somebody might be in touch with you from our station pretty soon. I don't know. It's possible. Nope. No problem. Yeah. Happy to do it. Well, well, Hank." You you also got to admit though, there's a difference when an icon asks you compared to just the station director, right? Well, <laughs> you got icon, I, I you got ESPN. I, there's a difference there. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I think I think I think we need to discern between asking or just bugging you into it. Oh, okay. that's very true. That's okay. very true. <laughs> which is good. Uh, which is good. It's great. We have. Uh, if he couldn't kick your have, ass, you'd uh, have a restraining order. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. We have we have Hank Bowers our guest here, and uh, you know you just been you just been uh, totally awesome, and uh, we're glad that you uh, have uh, joined us tonight, and you're awesome. But uh, if our fans wanted to, uh, you know, check you out and uh, listen to some of your broadcasts, 
you got a Facebook, you got Instagram, you got YouTube, you got a Twitter, you got a Twitch. What do you got? <laughs> well, I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. Uh, you can go to our website, Sports USA Media. Uh, we, we broadcast on 350 affiliates across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you should be able to find a list of the local stations in North Dakota or Nebraska. It's funny because I get texts from friends of mine from that are in Alaska or, hey, I'm driving to the golf course in Hawaii listening to you, you know, and, and it's, per, it's pretty fun. I mean, it's pretty cool. And uh, w- one other cool thing is uh, not to put myself over, uh, of course, I, I am, but uh, every time I've texted you, you've always responded to me. You've always been very gracious and very nice to me on that. I do appreciate that, Hank. Hank. So, Hank, well, um, that, that's oh, Nebraska in me. You treat everybody the way you, you expect to be treated until you're mistreated. Mm, and then look, look, then look the F out. <laughs> well, yeah, um, awesome. so, so uh, Hammer, one last thing for me here. Because um, I know we are we are uh, up against it, and, and you know what that means working at radio. Um the uh, how do you feel? And I, I I've had people ask me this and call in and, and ask me this on our show and uh, and, and you know I, I have my opinions on it. But how do you how do you feel Philip Rivers is going to do in Indianapolis this year? I think he's well. First of all, they got a great offensive line, outstanding mm-hmm. running game. That's you know pretty good pretty good wide receivers. I'd say maybe mm-hmm. average to above average by NFL standards. Mm-hmm. Um, a good the defense to protect him. Is, mm. Yeah, the most important thing is you look at you know Frank Reich was an offensive coordinator, so Philip knows yes. the system. It's not like when a quarterback leaves to it like Tom Brady, what he's doing in Tampa, he's learning mm. a whole new language. It's like asking him to go learn Russian after he's been speaking oh, English his whole life, right? Philip Rivers is going from speaking English to speaking English. He's gonna he knows the checks. He knows the audibles, and that you can't underscore the importance of of that. Plus, plus the guy, look at he he was running for his life the last couple of years. Had some serious offensive line protection problems. A couple different systems he had to try to run. Um, I think he's going to be phenomenal, and I look out for the Colts. Awesome. See, I, I thought and, the same uh, thing. I mean, I've always thought Phillips Rivers has had he has a big arm. He can make all the throws. And there's some times that I've seen him, you know, put balls in places. And I'm like, how did he complete that? Um, but then, you know, there's some times where, where I've seen him make some bonehead throws, too. But, again, he was running for his life, like you said. So There you, there you go. And we saw that last year when he had an absolute portable offensive line. So – Here's rule number one. Rule number one for every quarterback in the NFL, don't lose games, right? Yep. So, Philip, Philip, I don't think, Philip is smart enough to know that he doesn't have to go out and try to take chances to win games with this with this offense that he's now going to play in. And, and so, I think that he felt like he tried to and had to do too much the last couple of years in Los mm. Angeles. He's smart enough that's not going to be the case. Call him a game manager. He'll take his shots when he gets them, believe it. I mean, come on, he mm. has nine kids. You know he's taking his shots, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. 
So, so, but he will manage the games, and, and he's smart, and he's tough, and I think he's going to be great. Well, I'm excited to see it. I, uh, I, I'm excited. I always like when guys get a, uh, I guess you can call it a second chance somewhere, uh, unless unless it's a guy I liked in the Cowboys, and then if once they leave, screw them. But but if it's another guy, uh, I always love to see that second chance. And uh, and you know it's it's great. Like 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 Romo. I loved Romo. I, I defended him to the death. If he played for another team, I would have hated it. Uh, but I love second chances in this regard. So uh, so yeah, more power to him, man. I wish him the best. Did Romo ever win a Super Bowl? No. No. But but. But Romo had a different situation than Phillip Rivers. Romo had no defense at all. He had the worst secondary in the league. He had no linebackers. Romo basically had to put up 40 points a game to win games. And he was out there. He he has shattered single-handedly. Now, you're looking at Don Meredith, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, okay? And, and you're looking at all those guys who played for the Cowboys. He has shattered every Dallas Cowboys passing record out there, beat all of them, but like, like shattered all of them. If he would have won one Super Bowl, he's a Hall of Famer. Hey, hey, but the problem know, is, he didn't have a team around him. Well, you know what's interesting him. about that? You know what's interesting hmm. about that? You yeah. know who his offensive coordinator was? The system they uh, made? For a lot of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> er, Ernie mm-hmm. Zampese running the Eric Coriel system. 976 H post flat, 844 wide. 90, you know, I, I could go 989 F up the seat. I could go down mm-hmm. the west and he ran the same freaking place. That's true. He did. And uh, it got almost to be predictable at, at some times. But, uh, hey, you know, I love Romo, and I, he's a great broadcaster. And, uh, and you know, like I said, I wish you would have won one. I wish you would have got that ring. But, hey, what are you going to do? Let, let's go Dak, right? <laughs> let's go Dak. There you go. Hey, hey, uh, hey real quick here. Uh the big hammer, real quick here. What was your favorite play that Dan called that you uh, that you ran that was spe- uh, special to you that you ran that he would call? What's what's your favorite play that he would call that he would hand the ball off to you and you'd take it all the way to the house? Well, the, there are two plays in my career that stand out. Okay, one was my first NFL touchdown, my 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 rookie year. Uh, my, my father had passed away in Northern California. I buried him on Friday. We buried him on Friday. I came back. I came back to play. Sunday, they put me in, and I got a 15-yard shovel pass for a touchdown. And Dan, Dan called that play. Hmm. So, and I, I got the game ball, and I gave it to my mom for Mother's Day. Because I don't know if I was going to get another game ball. And then the last awesome. touchdown... The last touch, my last touchdown, 21st touchdown of my career, Monday night against the Cleveland Browns, Kellen Wetzel gets knocked out. We, we, now, we don't have, you know, we've got three tight ends in the roster. Ernie looks at me and he goes, hey, can you play wing? Can you play tight end? And I go, I never have. And I go, you know what to do though, right? And I go, yeah, I've never run it. I've never run it. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna run a clearing route, go motion, run a clearing route, and then they were gonna throw it underneath, right? I got lost mm-hmm. in the back of the end zone in front of the dog pound, bounce locked eyes on me, bam, touchdown. Wow. So those two plays stand out to me. Awesome. That's awesome. 
Awesome. I can't well, we got I'll up against what, it, man. Me, yeah, I know. Uh well I'll tell you what, Hank, you know I love you, man, and uh I'll uh be in contact with you. Uh you know, I won't call you at two in the morning anymore, I promise. Uh but <laughs> uh I will get a hold of you. I will get a hold of you uh, within the next couple weeks. I have a uh, one big favor to ask you. If you can do it, I'll understand. If you can't, but uh, hopefully you can send us some uh, autographs for our listeners and give away for our December show. And uh, we appreciate all you do. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, our and we and gentlemen. have a huge show next week. Huge show next week. Tune in every Monday, nine to twelve Eastern time, right here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.